You're listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hull United Methodist Church. Be sure to visit us at hopehullumc.org sermons, where you can subscribe to future episodes of SermonCast and browse our archive of past messages. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone knows someone with a broken filter. Don't raise your hand. Don't even look around. <laughs> you know about the filter, don't you? It's that little device somewhere between our brain and our mouth. I'm not sure that the neuroscientists have actually been able to find precisely where it is, but it's supposed to be somewhere between the brain and the mouth. And things come into our brains that we want to say, and for those who have an operating filter, it stops them before it makes it all the way to our mouths and over our tongues and through our lips and onto the ears of those who really don't want to hear what we have to say. James's question to the church in the first century today and the church in the 21st century is, how's your filter? <laughs> and he's worried about more than that, isn't he? He's concerned about more than just the filter that kind of keeps us from saying maybe inopportune things or, or foot-in-the-mouth kinds of things. He's worried about when we use our tongues to really injure people. When we speak speak not only blessing, but also cursing. And James wants the church to deal with this reality. And we understand how massively important it is, because we've probably been on both sides of the issue, haven't we? All of us at one time or another have been tempted to say something that we know will injure another person. Often it's someone we love, a child, a spouse. And all of us have been on the receiving end of that at one time or another, where someone else says something aimed at injury. And James takes that very seriously amongst the people of God. And he has some very intense things to say. Maybe we can sum up what he has to say with one sentence. For James... The sound of silence is better than a treacherous tongue. Next time your filter may not be operating very precisely, just remember that. <laughs> silence is better than treachery. And the sound of silence is better than a treacherous tongue. For James, the tongue is small but mighty. He compares it to the bridle in a horse's mouth. And some of you have hands-on experience with this sort of thing. And you've got this massive beast that's stunningly strong, and that one little piece of metal directs it and controls it and steers and guides. He compares the tongue to a rudder on a ship. He says you've got this massive ship and this one small piece of engineering that directs it where to go. He says the tongue is like that. It's small. It's not the first thing you notice, but it's mighty. It has great power. It can change the direction of a person's life. The tongue is small but mighty. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, uh, must not have been involved in many conversations. James understands that words have massive power to injure and hurt. 
And I think we can all agree that that's true. And so he compares the tongue to a match in a dry forest. It says the tongue can start, a for, can start a conflict or controversy and do such damage that it's like somebody striking a match and dropping it in a forest. Damage upon damage upon damage. The tongue is like that for James. And he understands that controlling the tongue feels impossible sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, he just says this is like, stunningly difficult to do. It's very hard. He goes so far as to say, perhaps almost hyperbolically, like, nobody can do it. Of course, if he didn't think anyone could do it, he might not be instructing them on what to do. <laughs> so he's acknowledging how difficult this is. He's acknowledging how, how, how we really feel enslaved to our tongue sometimes. You know, and you've been in a situation. You've been there. Somebody says something, and you're in a position, and you're just, maybe it's been a rough day, and you can kind of feel the frustration and the anger, and it's rising, and you think of, you've got something really good to say. And here it comes. Starts in your desires, in your attitudes, and it begins to cultivate and very quickly rises, and that filter's not working. <laughs> and all of a sudden you've said, and spoken treachery, with a heart aimed at hurting the person who's hurt you. I'll be the first one to say, yeah, guilty as charged. Been there, done that. James wants to see Christians who surrender their tongues to the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to see Christians who care more about building one another up than throwing out that barb to wound and injure in response to the injury we've received. So he goes after. He goes after these folks. And going after them, my guess is he's probably going to catch a few of us, maybe all of us at the same time. But it's worth reflecting on, isn't it? The power of our speech. The power of our words. Almost every day, I hear another story about a student or a teenager who's considered ending their life because of something somebody said at school. Words have power. Marriages fail because of untamed tongues. Children become estranged because of untamed tongues. Churches divide because of untamed tongues. James, the brother of our Lord, wants the church in the first century and us to spend some time considering where we've contributed to that, those kinds of things, and considering how we can be a part of the solution 
instead of a part of the problem. For James, taming the tongue is a key piece of the strategy in our overall spiritual formation. We'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes, but he seems to think that if we can learn to control our tongues, maybe we can learn to control the rest of ourselves too. That self-control, that fruit and evidence that the Spirit is at work in our lives, we can learn to surrender our mouths to the Lord, our speech to the Lord Jesus. Maybe he can get a hold of the rest of us as well. The sound of silence is better than a treacherous tongue. So what does treachery look like? Let's do a little diagnostic work. Again, this isn't kind of a pop quiz thing. Nobody jump out and answer. I enjoyed uh, preaching to the students last night. They were quick to answer my questions. Uh, much more forthright than you all. <laughs> uh, so what does it look like? Treachery. When we use our mouths and our words, our speech to injure. Sometimes it feels quite innocent. Gossip is kind of the standard go-to thing. We'll kind of couch our gossip and, you know, well, I'm just letting you know what's going on. Here's what's happening. Sometimes we couch it in terms of a prayer, pray for so-and-so. <laughs> Here's what's happening in their life. We just want to use our mouths to get a word in and show that we're in the know or maybe that we're better or if we can bring other people down, we'll make ourselves feel a little bit better. James is concerned about teaching false doctrine, isn't he? He says, not many should become teachers, brothers and sisters. This is chapter 3, verse 1. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. All of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect. And he's worried about people infiltrating the church and teaching things that mislead the people of God. So he expects teachers to, you know, I mean, let's get some training, let's get some equipping. He's not saying everybody's got to go to seminary if they want to teach a Sunday school class, but take the responsibility with some seriousness. Do what you need to do to be ready. Be equipped to instruct the people of God according to the things of God. We look across the whole Bible. The tongue can be used to undermine God's Word, can't it? I mean, if you go all the way back to the beginning in the garden, the serpent uses his forked tongue to undermine the Word of God to Adam and Eve. Talk about damaging speech. And they were tempted based on that God didn't really say that, did he? God didn't really mean that, did he? And all of us have suffered under the weight and power of sin as a result. Mighty. Small but mighty, that tongue. Tongues can create division amongst the people of God. Teased that a little bit earlier. It's worth a little more reflection. It's so easy to kind of, well, can you believe they did that? I don't think we should run it that way. 
I don't like so-and-so's idea. There's always important space for healthy debate and conversation. But when we begin to find ourselves sort of guarding our turf, my way or the highway, nobody else gets an opportunity to have some input, and churches begin to cultivate division, we begin to cultivate division in the church instead of the unity of the people of God. And what happens? All of a sudden we're worried about fighting each other and not putting our energy into the mission. We get distracted. Somebody makes a phone call to somebody. They see the other person at the coffee, you know, coffee in the morning and did you hear about so and so and can't believe they're doing that and just all of a sudden a little thing becomes a big thing and people are taking sides and most of us have probably been in a setting in some church where that kind of thing happens and we know how painful it can be. I've certainly experienced it. And the hardest thing, the most frustrating thing, when we begin using our tongues to foster division in the church is that we immediately take our attention away from the gospel. We get more worried about winning an argument than we do saving the lost. We get more worried about winning an argument than we do cultivating the mission. Because we can't control our tongues. James says, (laughs) open your eyes, pay attention, just do the diagnostic work. What are the red flags? When, when I, I mean, I know when I'm saying something to get somebody and when I'm not. Don't I? Don't we? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is there working through our conscience. That's not a holy thing you're looking to say, is it? That's a self-interest thing, isn't it? There was one time in my life particularly, uh, and knowing my Irish used-to-be-red-headed background, you'll know that holding the tongue is probably challenging, especially for preacher types. We will make our case. But someone did something unjust to me hurt me more than perhaps anything else in my life. And I wanted to let them have it. I wanted to make trouble for them (laughs) at work. It's just everything. I wanted to make the phone call and do you know what's going on and how this person has behaved and ways that like integrity. And and I kind of justified it. Say, you know, I mean, there's a system going on here and we can't trust this system if this person is allowed to conduct themselves in this way and I need to do something about it and the Holy Spirit was there brothers and sisters all that may be completely true if they conduct themselves that way yeah it messes up something that ought to have integrity but you don't have integrity right now with your desires and the way you want to treat that person and hearing the Holy Spirit say that Wow. Sometimes it's very hard to submit to that. 
For months I railed against this. Like, no, it really need, we really need to do something about this. And the Holy Spirit just kept on. Keep your mouth shut. Sometimes our justifications are completely true. That's what makes them so dangerous. We are in the right and they are in the wrong. But tr authentic, true justification doesn't mean that our hearts are always right with the words that we intend to speak. And even if I have really good reasons, there's always the question of if you say what you want to say, is it an expression of other-oriented love or is it an expression of vengeance? Is it holy? Or is it selfish? That's when these things get really hard. And it may take a long time for the Spirit to work in us in such a way so that we can become able to say what needs to be said without it being a self-righteous thing. If we can't ever get to that place, it's not clear that we need to open our mouths. The sound of silence is far better than a treacherous tongue. So what's the solution? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor in World War II. He was actually executed by the Nazis for an attempted assassination of Hitler. <laughs> Quite a pastor. <laughs> Your pastor is involved in an assassination attempt. That's kind of not something that happens every day. Bonhoeffer was a remarkable theologian, a remarkable pastor. And he wrote in one of his books these words. He said, it must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship. We've got a Christian fellowship here. We do, don't we? Bonhoeffer said, It must be a decisive rule of every Christian fellowship that each individual is prohibited from saying much that occurs to him. Catch that? Like, decisive rule in church that all of us, raise your hand if you're all of us. All right, a couple of you are not, but most of us are. All of us are prohibited from saying much that occurs to us. He's talking about the filter, isn't he? He's saying, hey, get your filter straight, folks. It's part of your Christian duty. It's part of following Jesus. It's part of your sanctification, and it's good for the church. There are things that are going to pop in your head, and you just need to keep your mouth shut. That's, bon. That's a, a modern rendition of Bonhoeffer's you know, mid-20th century quote. There were things that will pop in your head, and you just need to bite your tongue. And he wants Christians to learn the spiritual discipline of biting the tongue. When we have things, we, i got to say my peace. And Jesus says, no, you don't. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Bonhoeffer goes on because he understands what James is getting at. The person who can discipline their tongue will also discipline all you know, their thoughts and their whole selves. He says this, we combat our evil thoughts 
right? Our brains go places, our minds go places. He says we combat our evil thoughts most effectively. You want to know how to effectively combat evil thoughts? We combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we absolutely refuse to allow them to be expressed in words. So here I am, and somebody's done me wrong, and I want to get them back, and I, the thought in your brain is working, feeling it. You know, we are never as inspired as when we are angry and offended. So we start going, the wheels are turning, I've really got, here's what I want to say. Bonhoeffer says, you want to get your mind in order? You want to tame your brain? You want your thoughts and your tempers and your affections to be holy? Learn how to bite your tongue. It's a spiritual discipline. Do not articulate everything that comes into your head. And you will find the things that come into your head over time will begin to be transformed. That's how discipleship works. If I can discipline my mouth, if I can discipline my tongue, so that I'm not articulating everything that pops into my head, whether it's helpful or hurtful, over time, I will find that my thoughts become increasingly honoring to Jesus. Anybody want to be increasingly honoring to Jesus? Yeah, me too. Step number one, learn to appreciate the sound of silence. Because it is crucial for the transformation of my mind and my body. Sound of silence is better than a treacherous tongue because holding our tongues sanctifies our thinking. What we need, according to James, is a single-minded tongue, a tongue that is singly focused. Take a look at the end of the passage we read together. He says, verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, right? That's what we might call a forked tongue. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, brothers and sisters. This ought not to be. So here's what he wants. He doesn't want Christians to have forked tongues. He doesn't want us to be double-minded in the way that we address people. We speak blessing one moment and cursing the next. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, brothers and sisters. This ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Brackish water is not quite as salty as the sea but a little more salty than the stuff that comes out of a spring. You can drink it. It doesn't taste good, from what I understand. Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine? Figs, no more can salt water yield fresh. And what he wants them to do is, is to be cultivating a single focus. And the single focus is always on Jesus. And if we are singly focused on Jesus, if our eyes are on the man on the cross, the one whose arms were stretched and hands were pierced and face was crushed with thorns, and he, the one who bled on our behalf, and as he was bleeding, he interceded in love, perfect love for those who tortured him to death. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Like if our eyes are on him, who didn't spit back when he was spat upon, who didn't 
curse in response to the cursing that was cast upon him. If our eyes are on Jesus, the man on the cross, who gave himself in perfect love and used his mouth to speak blessing when the world was casting aspersion on him, if our eyes are on him, we will be single-mindedly motivated to speak words of blessing and building up and not cursing and not tearing down. I only start to speak in ways that damage people and hurt them when I take my eyes off Jesus. And that's where we discover this is really about holiness, isn't it? This whole thing about the tongue, this is about whether or not Jesus has control of my body. Does the crucified and risen Savior who reigns at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, does He have control of every part of my body, including my vocal cords, my tongue, and my lips? And if He doesn't, then my sanctification is on hold or regressing. And if He does then He can use me as He desires for His mission, for the building up of His church, for the salvation of the nations. You know, so which one do I want to be for Jesus? <laughs> do I want to be getting in His way? Or do I want to be His faithful representative? Imagine what Christian fellowship would be like if our mouths were entirely sanctified. <laughs> like most of the hurt happens right here, doesn't it? Most of the sin happens right here. And if Jesus could just get a hold of that, if we could just surrender, imagine what the church would be like. Imagine how healthy and rich and robust and transformative. Imagine how attractive the church around the country, around the world would be if people knew, if I go there, I will be built up in love. People, people will speak words of care and kindness and encouragement to me. That doesn't mean we soft-pedal everything. You might be thinking, I wish your filter was a little better in this sermon, preacher. <laughs> doesn't mean we look the other way when there are tough things to deal with. It doesn't mean we don't engage in that healthy debate about the future of a mission strategy or something like that, there are, that's important. The key thing is, is it happening out of hearts filled with love for one another? Where if we engage in, hey, you know, there's a thing, and we've got to make a decision, and maybe we don't agree on how to get there, but we know we love each other, and we know we love Jesus. And if we got that, we can figure this out. That's a lot different than, I'm going to get you. I'm going to have my way in this committee meeting. That's a lot different, isn't it? If we want to be holy, 
James would say, start with your tongue. And ask Jesus, Jesus, won't you just cultivate in me a deep appreciation for the sound of silence? Work on my filter. It's very broken. But Jesus has come to heal what's broken. We're going to come to the Lord's table in a moment. And we're going to hear the words of Jesus. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Those words have power to heal our words. The bread and the cup that we take into our mouths are a means of grace to transform our lives transform our tongues. They represent Jesus taking up residence in us to reproduce his character. So I wonder, in a moment when you come, you break that bread and you dip it in the cup and you put it in your mouth, if you can say, Jesus, the mouth with which I am ingesting your body and your blood belongs to you. From this point forward, you take your holiness and you put it in me so that everything that comes back out honors you. You've been listening to SermonCast, the online preaching ministry of Hope Hole United Methodist Church. If you enjoyed this message, consider sharing it with a few friends. Remember to visit us at hopeholeumc.org slash sermons and subscribe to get notified when new content is posted. Thanks for listening.